Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. I am coming to you live from Maui, Hawaii. Yes, we are still here with our baby Kingston, and let me tell you what an adventure it has been. Now, last Friday, I had an episode, it was episode 268, the number one hormonal imbalance connected to stubborn weight gain. And in that episode, I talked about wearing a continuous glucose monitor and using a beta app called Levels Health. And what's been really fascinating is since we've been in Maui, because we've been in Maui for 13 or 14 days now, although we have condos and we have refrigerators and a full working kitchen, and we've been making a lot of our meals, let's be honest, sometimes when you have a baby, it is just easier to go out and grab something. And as I've been tracking my CGM, my continuous glucose monitor, I've been amazed at even when I'm not eating foods that have sugar content or that I don't think have sugar content, my blood sugar levels go up. And so that is kind of the inspiration for this conversation today. Why do we gain weight even when we don't eat sugar, like specifically sugar added items? And it's been such a fascinating journey. There's a lot of different reasons what we're gonna get into today, why we create poor metabolic fitness or poor metabolic function. And even after we've cut out sugar, like I know many people try to do, that the weight just doesn't go anywhere. And so I wanna dive into that, but it's been a really fascinating journey just being on Maui and on vacation where we're outside of our home, although we are cooking healthy foods, lots of salads, lots of fish, things like that, we have kind of gone out and you know it can be so hard to control what is out and about, what you're getting at a restaurant. And that has been such an eye-opening experience while wearing the continuous glucose monitor and the Levels app. It's been mind-blowing how often I am soaring or spiking my blood sugar levels and I'm not even eating anything that technically has sugar in it. So that's why I wanted to talk about this today because a lot of us, we are throwing off our metabolic fitness even when we think we're doing a lot of the right things. And again, multiple factors come into play. But one of those factors, it's been such an eye-opening experience is being on vacation, how much less control I've had on my metabolic fitness and my blood sugar levels when I'm not at home cooking food that I know is super healthy and not gonna drive up any type of metabolic issues. So I just wanted to share that because that's been a little bit of the talk track last episode and then this episode is just watching in real time the way your body responds, especially as we get older, is just, you know, it just reminds us how diligent we kind of got to be in order to really protect our metabolism. But let's just get into this. So it is a hard fact that consistent sugar consumption causes hormonal imbalance, addiction, a sluggish liver, weight gain, brain fog, crazy cravings, mood swings, and most importantly, metabolic dysfunction. More so, sugar is a master, oh, the biggest and best master of disguise, hiding in everything. I know personally, I've done my best to avoid sugar over many, many years, but if you just grab any package item in the grocery store, or maybe even head into your pantry, you're gonna guarantee that there's probably sugar in it. And because sugar is so insidious, and you don't always see sugar on the ingredient list when you're scanning a nutritional label, 
you know, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that an item is sugar-free or even sweetener-free. Sugar goes by a slew of different names, a whopping 56 different names. And how many of us even know what all those 56 names are? Honestly, I don't. There's little signs and I can kind of tell when something's got sugar item, basically anything packaged these days, it seems like. So I focus on buying basically vegetables, berries, and then lean protein and healthy fats. It's kind of where I stand because I know guarantee that I am pretty much in the safe zone there. And by using my continuous glucose monitor over the last almost month, it'll be a full month on Friday. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. When this episode goes live, it'll be a full month that I've been wearing this CGM. And what I've learned is that when I focus on lean proteins, just veggies and healthy fats, I am able to dial in my metabolic fitness. And with this Levels app that I'm beta testing, I actually get a metabolic score every single day. And on those days, I score in the 90 percentile of high metabolic fitness. On days where we go out to eat or we make some exceptions, I drop all the way down into the 60 percentile. And so it's just really good to get a sense of, okay, what foods are really, really supporting our metabolic function and how easy it is to kind of go offline, especially when we touch upon packaged foods where we've got names, you know, obvious names are like high fructose corn syrup, brown sugar, coconut sugar, cane sugar, but other trickier names that are harder to spot is like maltodextrin or dextrose, right? Those are always hidden. Even a lot of the corn-based products as well, corn starches is going to drive up insulin levels. And that's not even a part of the 56 different names that are considered sugar on an ingredient list. Now, shockingly, over 68 of the barcoded food products sold in the United States contain added sweeteners, even if they are labeled natural or healthy, right? There's a lot of greenwashing that's going on. There's a lot of just proposing and advertising that something's healthy when it's literally just lipstick on a pig. That's basically what it comes down to. Like you think about ketchup for one. Ketchup is literally, I mean, if you look at all the sugar in ketchup or barbecue sauce, it is alarming. We picked up a barbecue sauce the other day because we normally get Primal Kitchen barbecue sauce or Primal Kitchen ketchup, but we were buying to make grilled chicken here in Maui. There's no Primal Kitchen anything. And my husband picked up and I believe it was like 12 grams of sugar per serving and there were 42 servings in a bottle. Like you think about how much barbecue sauce one would use, you're looking at, I don't even know, we probably would have used 50 to 75 grams of sugar just by using that on the barbecue chicken we were making. So it's really crazy when you look at the ingredient list for some of these foods, like how embedded sugar is into these products. Right now, manufacturers, they had until January 2020 to display if a product included added sugars. So we're making slow gains in this department, but at the end of the day, a lot of the products on the market do not really advertise that there's excess sugar in a product. And it's just hard, it's hard to tell, it's hard to know. I know we were in the store with a family member, also we're on this trip, and they were trying to buy a green juice, and we looked really quickly at the ingredients list, my husband saw it, and there was, I think it was 25 grams of sugar per serving, it was two servings in this green juice, basically, that green juice, the whole green juice had 50 grams of sugar in it, which I think is more than a can of Coca-Cola. And so just thinking about all that, like you see this green juice, you think it's going to be healthy, but really, and I don't know if you're technically better off drinking the Coca-Cola, but definitely in terms of less sugar content, I believe Coca-Cola has like 32 grams or 25 grams of sugar in a 12 ounce container. And so again, we have to become so mindful about where sugar is hiding. 
eating, I think that's one of the reasons why we're still gaining weight is we cut out desserts, we cut out things that we know 100% do not have added sugar in them, and yet we're still being bombarded with all kinds of sugar-laden products that purport themselves as being sugar-free or no added sugar or whatever they tend to advertise. Now, despite the insidiousness of sugar and its ability to hide in food, condiments, spices, drinks, I mean, across the board, everything, I know that many people, especially women in my community, have removed added sugar from their diet. However, even with the removal of added or processed sugar, sometimes stubborn weight just doesn't budge, or at least not enough of the weight, where it can be super, super frustrating to know, like, why isn't this working? So what is going on? Why is it that we still can't lose weight even when we give up sugar, even when we give up that dessert, even when we give up the chocolate, the cupcakes, that gelato every now and again? What is the deal? And basically it has everything to do with our metabolic fitness and our metabolic hormones. Now for the most important hormones that we're gonna focus on today when it comes to boosting our metabolism is thyroid, cortisol, ghrelin, and leptin. Now, another hormone that could absolutely make this list as well because it's insulin protective and it's a growth hormone is estrogen. But I'm just gonna focus on these primary four metabolic hormones. I do have a lot of episodes on estrogen and estrogen dominance and best believe that these particular hormones do interconnect with estrogen as well. And as we decrease estrogen levels towards the end of perimenopause into menopause, we become more insulin resistant naturally. So just note that estrogen is a player here, but I'm not gonna be focusing entirely on it today because it's not the biggest metabolic mover like these four are. Again, thyroid, cortisol, ghrelin, and leptin. So I just wanna start as the list is, I'm gonna start with thyroid. This is in no particular order. But the reason why I wanna start with thyroid is because so many women are struggling with low thyroid function and a sluggish thyroid, and best believe I know this from personal experience, 100% causes weight gain whether you're eating sugar or not. I share a lot about my story in many other episodes, but there was a time where I put on like 20 pounds in what seemed like six months, and best believe I was working out twice a day practically just eating carrots. And little did I know that I had a thyroid that just was not working. It was definitely insufficient in its function and I was putting on weight like nobody's business. And so once I figured out that it was a thyroid issue, I am still on thyroid medication today because I did not know this had been a problem for me for quite some time. And so just a heads up, your thyroid is your metabolic gas pedal. And when we're struggling with insufficient thyroid hormone, everything slows down. Our digestion, metabolism, energy, and definitely brain function. Those are gonna be some of the biggest signs and symptoms if you're dealing with a thyroid issue is your digestive slows down, your metabolism slows down, you're cold all the time, your hair gets you know less of it, it gets more brittle, you may lose the last third of your eyebrows. I mean, there's lots of different symptoms and I have a whole episode on how to look out for that. But one thing to know, if you're looking at you know turning 40 or getting older, I recommend having your thyroid panel run every year to see what is going on because a lot of us start to have issues after the age of 40. Now, I do talk about a full thyroid panel in episode 219, how to identify low thyroid function and what labs to immediately request. So if you want the full lowdown on exactly how to identify low thyroid issues and exactly what to order or what to request when it comes to labs, check out episode 219 on the Essentially You podcast. 
Now, the next hormone ooh, that is playing a mega role, probably the biggest role besides thyroid issues, is going to be cortisol. I know I talk about cortisol all the time and you know what? There is a reason for it. Most of us are chronically stressed. We're running around handling business. I know for me, even on this vacation, I am in full mama mode. There is always something to do. There is always a baby to tend to. You know, I'm not sleeping super great. You know, it is what it is. Like you're a mom, if you can totally relate to that, your cortisol levels are gonna be a little bit wonky. Definitely in those first couple of years. And I I can see how that happens. So cortisol has many roles in the body from helping us to wake up to regulating insulin, but its biggest role is mitigating stress and especially chronic stress. And a not so fun fact, chronic stress equals insulin resistance without eating sugar. Mm. This is heartbreaking, I know. And if you didn't know that, I am so sorry. I'm about to break it down right now. So when we are in a state of perceived stress, which an average adult, especially women, can be in 30 plus times a day, on average, we co-elevate insulin levels as a survival mechanism. The hormonal cascade is the equivalent to eating a cupcake without actually ever eating it. So what I want to know really quickly is how many cupcakes did you accidentally eat this week when you were triggering your stress response system? Was it 5, 10, 20, 15, 50, right? For me, I've probably eaten like 20 cupcakes this week and I did not have one single cupcake. Now, one of the biggest detriments to optimal functioning of our bodies is driving up sympathetic dominance due to chronic perceived stress and overwhelm. Sympathetic dominance, or what I also love to call the stress response system, impedes our ability to function and think straight, and it messes with our metabolism. I mean, honestly, the ultimate damage when it comes to our body when we're in stress is metabolic dysfunction, which leads to inflammation over time. Stress can make us exhausted, it creates unhealthy cravings, it creates brain fog, anxiousness. I mean, honestly, it can feel like a feedback loop over and over and over again. So definitely we want to dial in the stress response system. And again, at the end of this, after I talk about the four hormones and the other factors that are causing metabolic dysfunction, I'm going to get into what we can do on a daily to get our metabolic system back and humming, even when we're not eating sugar. Like what is the things we got to do every single day? Now that third hormone that I mentioned is leptin. Now, leptin is produced by our fat cells. It's considered a satiety hormone that reduces appetite and makes you feel full, right? That's why we wanna mindfully eat. The slower we can eat over time, your gut has enough time to tell the brain, hey, we're full, we don't end up overeating. As a signaling hormone, its role is to communicate with the hypothalamus, the portion of the brain that regulates appetite and food intake. Leptin tells the brain that there's enough fat in storage and no more is needed, which helps us prevent overeating. Now, people who are overweight usually have high levels of leptin in their blood. In fact, one study found that leptin levels in obese people were four times higher than people of normal weight. Now, if leptin reduces appetite, then obese people with high levels of leptin should start eating less or lose weight. Unfortunately, when we're overweight, the leptin system just doesn't work as it should. And this is referred to as leptin resistance. In essence, your brain thinks it's starving, so you're driven to eat more and more. So once we get into a state of leptin resistance, very similar to insulin resistance, your brain keeps sending signals to the body that you're starved and that can drive more overeating, literally being driven by the brain. So just something to think about with leptin. If you've given up sugar, but you know you've got some weight to lose, leptin could be offline. 
And then the fourth hormone is going to be ghrelin. Now, ghrelin is known as a hunger hormone. So when your stomach is empty, it releases ghrelin, which sends a message to the hypothalamus telling you to go and eat. Now, normally ghrelin levels are highest before eating and lowest about an hour after you had a meal. However, if you're struggling with a sluggish metabolism or you have some weight to lose, Fasting ghrelin levels are often lower than in people with good metabolic flexibility or at a healthy weight. So studies have shown that after overweight people eat a meal, ghrelin only decreases slightly, just a tiny bit. Because of this, the hypothalamus doesn't receive a strong signal to stop eating, which can lead to overeating over time. So that's basically what's going on with leptin and ghrelin. If we can dial in our metabolic function, those two hormones, those signaling hormones, will begin to normalize and get back to working the way that they should. Now, I wanna just share really quickly, now that I've covered the four most important hormones impacting metabolic function and weight gain, thyroid, cortisol, leptin, and ghrelin, again, four of these not really having anything to do with sugar specifically, they can be off on their own accord. But there are a few other factors or reasons that we can have poor metabolic fitness and in turn have stubborn weight gain even if we are not eating sugar. The first one is chronic overnutrition. So we are exposed to a vast majority of food and we have vastly increased the amount of food that we're eating ever before in history. And so our cellular factories haven't evolved to cope with this level of incoming energy substrates, AKA food. And one of the biggest myths that is still pervasive today that many people believe that eating smaller, more frequent meals throughout the day boosts metabolism and reduces hunger, which helps to control weight. Unfortunately, this is not true for most of us. Again, because our cellular factories have not been able to evolve to cope with that much incoming food consistently all day long. For many of us, eating frequently smaller meals, even if it's not one with a lot of sugar, causes our metabolism to slow down because it's having to work so much. Your cells are just bogged down. They don't ever get a break. So it just slows the whole system down. So what I recommend here is focusing on three meals a day with no snacks in between and also consider incorporating intermittent fasting between dinner and breakfast. Ideally, 13 to 15 hours of fasting between dinner and breakfast is the sweet spot. It gives your cells, it gives your metabolism, it gives your whole body an opportunity to repair and restore and to rev back up your metabolic function. But also it helps to get leptin out of resistance, insulin out of resistance, and it helps to boost your mitochondrial function, which are the organelles that are cranking energy to begin with. So those are some of the benefits. So I highly recommend Elias, if you eat dinner at 7 p.m., then wait to have breakfast at 8 a.m. or even 9 a.m. if you can. That puts you at a 13 or 14 hour window. Now I wanna list off some other factors for weight resistance without adding sugar. One, we are more sedentary than ever. That is playing a role. So if you've cut out sugar, but you're still not moving your body, that could also be leading to weight resistance. We seem to be getting less sleep, which has a significant consequence on our ability to process energy. Sleep is a big player here. Sleep drives up the stress response system and drives up insulin resistance, and your mitochondria are exhausted. So that is a big, big player here. If you're getting less than seven hours of sleep, most likely you are struggling and it's having an impact on your metabolic function and in turn your weight. 
Next one, a big one that we can really manage better is our environmental toxins and synthetic toxic exposure. We know that it impairs mitochondrial function and metabolic function. So the best we can do to reduce our toxic load by swapping out our cleaning products. Right now I'm using Branch Basics and I'm obsessed using essential oils, using personal care products and makeup that is non-toxic. I mean, there's so many areas where we can begin to roll back and make less less toxic choices. And I have a ton of episodes on that as well. Another factor is the majority of energy intake amongst individuals here in the U.S. comes from ultra-processed food and beverages, most importantly, ultra-processed fats that get stored in our abdominal area. So when we're talking about hydrogenated fats, unhealthy fats, which can be found in chips and things like that, that is just leading to more inflammation, higher levels of triglycerides, more abdominal fat. So yes, get rid of sugar, but then you're eating salty foods that have hydrogenated fats in it, we're still seeing the same kind of issue. It's the same level of inflammation. Next is we are constantly on the go, which creates a hormonal cascade that promotes fat storage around the midsection rather than use it for energy. That is that rushing women's syndrome that I talk a lot about. I am feeling it right now. (laughs) Even though vacation is amazing, it's still go, 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 go. Next is eating late at night and snacking frequently. These are common practices in today's life, especially when we're trying to wind down or relax or self-soothe, we do it with food. And what happens when we eat at night is that we have higher levels of insulin resistance that block fat usage for energy in the body, especially at night. Whether it is snacking frequently or nighttime snacking, those are all gonna create insulin resistance and fat storage. We are nutrient deficient, which slows down our cellular metabolism, which is going to cause our inability to use food as energy. So just note, some of the big, big nutrient deficiencies that can do this is vitamin D, magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C, selenium, iron. These are the heavy hitters that I find that most of us have nutrient deficiencies in. I carry many of these today because of that. I carry magnesium in my essentially whole store, vitamin C, D, B vitamins, because I know how critical it is to fill in those nutrient gaps. And then the last two, we naturally lose muscle mass as we get older, which contributes to a sluggish metabolism and insulin resistance. We got to build up that muscle. I mean, every day we got to be doing some weight training. I'm going to get into that in just a second. And then the last one is that natural sugar is found in a ton of foods that we consume each and every day that could be impacting your blood glucose levels. And hey, you may not even know it. Foods like sweet potatoes, berries, coffee, yogurt, even wild rice, these healthy foods could be spiking your insulin levels and you just have no idea. I will tell you, I've learned so much by wearing this continuous glucose monitor. Basically what I've learned that at 41, I don't have a lot of metabolic flexibility. Like if I stray out of my core foods, my blood sugar levels spike out of control. And so that has been my biggest takeaway. And surely if I have an ice cream or whatever it may be, like something that I know has sugar in it, like it's a sweet item, 100% it's gonna drive my blood sugar levels up. I mean, the highest I've seen my blood sugar levels go up to has been 155 milligrams per deciliter because one of the nights we were out, I ended up having a really healthy gluten-free dessert. But sugar is sugar, gluten-free or not, dairy-free or not. It was gluten-free, dairy-free, all the free except for sugar-free. And my blood sugar went out of control. It was the highest I'd ever seen it. You know, 
doctors say that anything above 140 milligrams per deciliter is dangerous, but we're really finding anything above 120 milligrams per deciliter is very dangerous. So spiking up to 155, well, what if every day I was like, you know, a little gluten-free, dairy-free dessert is totally okay, but let's say every single day I'm spiking my blood sugar level to 150 or more, that is a guaranteed situation for metabolic dysfunction over time and inflammation. I mean, that's when we look at it, when you start to see the hard science, you know, your numbers don't lie to you. I'm like, okay, I don't have a lot of wiggle room. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have a lot of wiggle room. I couldn't really speak into that. But I'm telling you that I work out all the time. I do intermittent fasting. I eat super clean. And I would think that my metabolism is definitely a little bit more dialed, but it doesn't have a lot of flexibility within it. And I'm working really diligently to get more flexibility so that I could have that occasional something, something every now and again without having a massive sugar spike and a massive insulin spike that has to deal with all that sugar in the blood. And so just wanted to speak into that, that natural sugars, you know, even in your our healthy date sugar, gluten-free, dairy-free, all the things free could still be driving up your insulin levels and you don't even know it. All right, that was the list. And I just wanted to break down because sometimes we think, okay, if we just get rid of this food, especially kind of an inflammatory food like sugar, we should be able to see major gains. But there can be other things that are causing the issue. And I hope, you know, when you're looking at that, and I listed out all the major players that create poor metabolic health, I want to know, can you personally relate to any of these factors that are impacting your metabolic fitness? For me, Again, natural sugars, super healthy sugars are bigger drivers for me than I thought. And honestly, sleep is a major issue right now with a five-month-old, especially on vacation when I'm out of my element where my home has all the things I love that can really help me with that. And so those are the two areas that I'm focused on, although one of them I can't really fix at the moment, which is the sleep issue. So just get really clear, like which of these could be impacting me and my lifestyle, me and my body? So given that there are way more factors impacting your health outside of consuming sugar-laden products, what can we do to boost our metabolism? So recently, a couple Fridays ago, in episode 266, I shared my five simple ways to boost your metabolism, and I'm going to quickly share them here again today. I'm going to be really quick about it. First thing on the docket, and if you want to go check out that episode, it was episode 266. You can go back and listen to that, but I'm going to give you a quick summary of it because these are things that we can do every single day that are going to boost our metabolic function and help address some of those metabolic issues and drivers that I mentioned earlier. Number one, get high quality sleep. I know I talked about this a little bit already. You want to aim for at least eight hours per night or at least seven. I, I know everyone's a little bit different. I know for me, I need eight to nine. Make sure that those eight hours are full, high-quality shut-eye, meaning that you spend as much time as possible in REM sleep, which rejuvenates the brain, and deep sleep, which restores the body. That means creating a sleep routine, and I share an epic sleep routine in my newest book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution. If you don't have that book yet, stop right now, go to Amazon or wherever you love to buy books, and go get that copy. Number two, add 20 minutes of strength training to build those muscles multiple times a week. Muscle building speeds up your metabolic rate, it restores your metabolic flexibility, and you're talking about burning fat for up to two hours after every 20 minute session. And you can even burn longer if you do more than 20 minutes. For me right now with the baby, 20 to 30 minutes is my sweet spot. 
and it is paying off, let me tell you. Right now, because we're here, I don't have my gym at home, so I have a little app and I'm just doing body weight, so I'm just using my body weight. I'm using doing 20 to 30 minute videos, like exercise videos with just my body weight, and it is making a huge difference. So something to consider. Number three, create a morning boosting routine. So this can help support your liver, it can help support your insulin levels, it can help to really start and rev your metabolism on a good foot. Unlike oftentimes we are not doing that when we don't have an intentional morning boosting routine. So start your day with 16 ounces or more of my belly slim down water to help your liver, gut, and belly de-bloat and function better. So how the recipe is made is in a two liter glass jar, add purified water, squeeze in a whole lemon, I personally love Meyer lemon, add 10 to 15 mint leaves, and a whole sliced cucumber. So slice up that cucumber, add it to the water, and a dash of cayenne pepper or ginger root if you're feeling spicy and want a little extra metabolic boost. We know that cayenne pepper contains specific constituents and chemicals that help to boost your metabolism, burn extra 50 plus calories every single day. Then next, add cinnamon to your coffee instead of sugar or a creamer. Cinnamon is amazing for stabilizing blood glucose and it's heart protective. This was a swap that I started 10 years ago and I've never looked back. And with my CGM, I've been drinking coffee every single day. I've been adding cinnamon to it. And I was really concerned that coffee, because it can rev cortisol, that can drive insulin levels. I was concerned that my coffee intake every morning during my fast was going to drive up my blood glucose on the CGM. And luckily, probably my biggest win wearing this continuous glucose monitor is that it doesn't. My blood sugar levels do not change at all when I have that cup of coffee with cinnamon every single morning. So just a heads up, cinnamon is also phenomenal at helping, again, to support blood sugar levels as I mentioned a second ago. And then lastly, for your metabolic boosting routine, Make sure to have protein at every meal, especially breakfast. No matter when you have that first meal, whether it's 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. or 12 p.m., however it's working with your intermittent fasting schedule, and you're aiming for 20 to 25 grams of protein at each meal minimum to support your muscles and aid in stabilizing glucose and insulin levels. So that is how you make your metabolic boosting ritual in the morning work for you. Number four, I've already mentioned it, try out intermittent fasting three to four times a week, even five times a week if you can do it. That sweet spot for women, again, especially after the age of 40, is 30 to 16 hours of fasting between dinner and breakfast. And then number five, this is the fifth one, the last one, is increase your NEAT non-exercise activity thermogenesis. There's a lot that you can do in the gym to increase your metabolism, but it's what you do outside of the gym that has a major impact on your metabolism as well. So by moving your body daily, you'll see huge improvements in your metabolism, whether you're parking further away in the parking lot or you're taking the stairs, basically anything and everything that you can do to move your body throughout the day is gonna be adding gains to boosting your metabolic flexibility. And lastly, as a bonus, is focus on loving your liver. Your liver is critical to metabolic function and hormone function and plays a huge role in fat storage. If your liver is unhappy, you are definitely gonna store more fat. 
Daily liver support includes being mindful of sugary foods, alcohol, and medications. Just don't want to overburden that liver. Doing the morning metabolic boosting routine where you are loving your liver, even adding a little bit of apple cider vinegar to that belly slimming, belly de-bloating water, super helpful. And making sure that you are well supplemented. Your liver needs critical vitamins and cofactors to work every single day. So one of my best-selling supplements that I sell at the Essentially Whole store is my liver support supplement. It has many of the vitamins that we need, vitamin C and selenium, cofactors like lopaic acid and N-acetylcysteine, and it has hepatic herbs like turmeric and green tea extract to support and heal your liver. Now, people go crazy for this supplement because it is such a power player for daily gentle liver support. So I will have the link to my liver blend in the show notes for episode 270, or you can just go to drmarisa.com slash shop supplements, and you will find the liver support blend there. Thank you so much for stopping by and joining me today for another Friday solo episode. I know how critical this type of topic can be because so often our metabolism feels so mysterious and we don't know what's going on. So I hope that this episode gave you some clarity into the inner workings of how our metabolic function is either not properly working or properly working and then what we can do to actually make powerful changes moving forward. And until then, have an amazing weekend.